I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. During the afternoon heat, she slept in a deck chair. And Noel lay on the lawn and read detective stories, noting down clues as he went along. Wood pigeons crooned in the trees. Who'd know, sighed Matty. Who'd know we were in... in... In the silence that followed, Noel rolled over and looked at her. Her square, sure face was suddenly unfamiliar. Her expression, one he'd never seen before. It was panic, he realised. Somewhere inside herself, she was teetering on a ledge. London, he said. It's London. Oh, yes, London, she repeated, inching back. London. Could be our phrase. Ah, oh, yes. We're London. Back in London. We're back in London. After a long travail in the north. Welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club. The podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Every episode, we take a book out for a walk to try and find out whether the world of fiction matches up with the real world. Hello, I'm Tim Wright. I'm a digital writer and a producer of Immersive Fiction. And I'm Lloyd Shepard. I'm laughing because I've messed this up. I'm Lloyd Shepard. I'm a writer of novels and a digital product manager. And where are we immersing ourselves today? Well, we are going either side of the M25. We're in North London. Yes, Ram very Hampton convenient, town, this is, one, for us. Is, well, South London would have been more convenient. Well, it's, I'm happy to say my house is quite near the Thameslink, yeah. uh, so it's only a three-minute walk to the station, and this then is a, this and is a Thameslink novel. It's a Thameslink novel. Go, we, we went to St Albans. St Albans. And then we went to Kentish Town. We did, uh, in order to follow a book called... Crooked Heart by Lissa Evans. Crooked Heart by Lissa Evans, published yes. in 2014. 2014. Much loved by lots and lots of people. Yeah. Dedicated to a friend of the show, I think. Yes, hello, Gabby Chappie. Happy Gabby Chappie. Happy Gabby Chappie. Happy Gabby Chappie. <laughs> the book is set in both sort of North London, around Hampstead Heath, Kentish Town, mm-hmm. Gospel Oak, that kind of area. Yeah. But it's also set in St Albans. Because it's actually about, it said it in the Second World War during the Blitz. Yes. And it's about a young chap who is evacuated to St Albans. Noel. Noel, who's living with his his godmother. Yes. I think she is. Matty, who is a uh, former suffragette, it transpires. Yes. Um, and is also the main character in the a book that followed this one called uh, Old Baggage. Yes, which I haven't read, my wife's read, and is a huge fan of. Okay. And the, in fact, it's a trilogy because there's a, her latest novel is called V for Victory. Yeah. And that follows up uh, Noel's 
adventures, as it were, yep. into the second part and the end of World War II rather than the beginning of World yep. War II, which we're going to talk about. So uh, we're going to start with a train up on the Thameslink from uh, South London to St Albans. Yes, he goes to St Albans, Noel, because he's an evacuee and he has to go out of town and yeah. Matty um, has trouble. Matty has some trouble. Spoiler alert, she dies. Right. And he's taken on by V. 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 Sedge. V. By V, who is uh, a woman who is down on her luck a bit. She's divorced. Or was she ever married? Was she ever married? Anyway, she she has a very dodgy son, a slightly do-lally mum. She's got no proper income. No. Um, so she's full of scams full of and scams. schemes in order and, to get uh, money. And, she, and this is going to be something she starts to cook up with Noel. And yeah. we'll explain more as we go on. Yeah. Uh, I think she's a fantastic character. I think she's brilliant the way the portrayal of somebody who's kind of really, really flailing, flailing around for something to get purchase on. Yes, well, character, I think, is is, is a thing for Lissa Evans, I yeah, would say. Absolutely. Is that, that she falls in love with characters first, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she likes a good story as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, let's go to St Albans. You find us in a rose garden behind the Civic Centre. I never promised you one. Yeah, that was my line. It was moonless as dark as if someone had thrown a black cloth over the town. Donald waited for a few seconds and saw a white line emerge gradually from beneath his feet and slide into the night, the painted stripe that marked the edge of the pavement. He switched on his torch, aimed the faint splash of light a yard or two ahead and started to walk slowly, one arm extended to fend off lampposts. The town lost all familiarity in the blackout. Distances stretched, a hundred yards seemed half a mile, turnings disappeared or multiplied. He crossed the road by the co-op and nearly got his nose sliced off by an invisible bicycle flying along in the centre of the road and then he stumbled over a sandbag on the opposite pavement, flung out an arm and hit something that screamed. Sorry, you have a torch? (laughs) A hand clutched his arm and the light jerked up to reveal red lips and a long white face, blonde hair curling to the shoulders, a hummingbird brooch on the coat lapel. Can we borrow you? We have fat batteries. <laughs> you have to do it so loud, your German accent. Your Austrian accent. Austrian accent. So, um, so that was um, yeah. obviously Donald. Is, is your Austrian accent different to your German accent? Um, do you know what it is? Do you know what's intimidated me? It's, that it's not that it's an Austrian accent, it's an Austrian lady's accent. Yes, you've stopped doing ladies' voices, I noticed. Yes, yeah, so that was... Since Whitby, you've stopped doing that. Well, you were very dismissive about Wilhelmine, <laughs> Wilhelmina Murray. Anyway, well done. Yeah, well, so that was, that was Donald. Donald. Encountering Bridget and Hilda. Yes, right. Um, and there. Hilda becomes quite a big deal in this book, doesn't yeah. she? We're in St Albans. We're in St Albans. You've never been to St Albans before, have you? No, I've never been to St Albans before. Half so, a mile could be two miles, and in this case, I think we're finding that's true, aren't we? Well, we've had a we've walked up from the station up a road called Victoria Street, which takes you up into the centre of town, yes. centre of St Albans, where the kind of the cathedral is and the shops are. Well, it leads you straight up to the museum and gallery at the end of that, yeah. and then you're into St Peter's Street, which is the main high street. If Top you turn of the hill, right, yeah. If you turn left, you're going down Checker Street, listener. And then Hollywell Hill. And then Hill. to a place called Hollywell Hill, which right. we'll discuss in a moment, I think. Well, so the, the only coordinate she's given us in that little excerpt is the co-op. Yes, yeah, so you've done a bit of research on that, haven't you? Well, it's quite hard to track it down, but I think the co-op was on Victoria Street. Ah, OK. And it was, it was crumped in sort of the 1980s. 
and I think it's now underneath the Maltings shopping centre. He's been drinking in a pub. Yes, called Donald. the Bull. Called the Bull. And I went looking for that, and I found a reference on one of my favourite sites of all time, which is lostpubs.co.uk. A sad and mournful place, obviously, obviously. for someone like me. But it's somebody who's put a lot of love and attention into and it. And it says that there was a pub called The Bull. The Bull Inn was situated on Holywell Hill, grade two listed, built for Samuel Ryder of Ryder Cup fame. Oh, really? So there's a golfing reference that's okay. right there. Brilliant. In the 1872 map, it shows trees in the location. And then it says that in 1855, there is no Bull Inn. And Ryder and Sons were a seed and bulb merchants, the seed merchants. And I think that building is still called Seed Merchant Hall, or mm. something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so it's, it wasn't there during the Second World War. Yeah. It had gone. But that road had loads of pubs on it. That was the main coaching road, so all the coaching inns were on that road. And I think a couple of pubs at least survived. So I'm thinking that's quite a good candidate for... That he's drinking in the bull on the Holywell Hill, even though the bull wasn't there. If he walks up towards the main drag where he and his mum live supposedly in a flat above a bookshop, yeah. then he'd be going home. Which is described, the flat is described as being quite near the station. Yeah, which exactly. Is right in the direction of travel he's walking. So in. then he'd be going up Victoria Street towards the station. He'd bump into these. Well, he says to them, he says to them, this is quite complicated, listeners, so bear with us. He says to them, uh, they say they're going home. We are at the hostel by Bricketwood Common. It's Mm. very kind of you to walk with us, Mr. Duck, Mm. with your great big torch. And he says, Bricketwood, that's back the other way. Is it? You've gone a quarter mile in the wrong direction. Well, 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 well. So Bricketwood is south of the town of St. Albans. Bricketwood is like a couple of miles. It's an hour's walk, at least. Yeah. So Bricket Wood is definitely one of those places where the writer has gone, oh, a quarter of a mile could seem like two miles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What I'm also getting when we, when we walk into St Albans is the main high street is clearly very much a sort of promenading area where all the locals check each other out and say, Snooch, V, the character in here, yeah. She finds going down the high street a little traumatic, doesn't she? Because there's usually somebody a bit snooty going to say something a bit, look down her nose at her about something. Yeah. That I can absolutely get about this high street. Yeah. And you said, as we came out, you said, ah, oh, there's... Diff- like this- well, A, you said this is different to Scunthorpe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is different to But Scunthorpe. also, in terms of you saying there's sort of d- slightly disreputable types hanging around who you know, might have a can in their hand or something, but they're quite well-dressed. And, the, and I said, oh, it's a bit of Patrick Hamilton sort of spiv country. Well, it's Private Walker in uh, Dad's Army, isn't it? It's that kind of vibe. Well, they're quite well, interesting, They're that. quite well-dressed and quite well put together, yeah. but you do look like they'd uh, sell you dodgy life insurance. Yes, and so on that score, big tick for me, yeah. because I, this whole book seems to be about that idea of keeping up appearances of being a good citizen during the war yeah. while... Being well, on the make, on the make all the time, all the time, and that everybody's up to it, and everybody's up to a little bit of. Woo. You're getting that about St Albans, are you? On one walk from the station. Well, I'm just thinking it's a good setting for that as a town. Yeah. Well, I would say I, I like I, that. I grew up in Sevenoaks, which yeah. is just the other side of London, St Albans, yeah. and it's very similar in all sorts of ways. Well, maybe and any it's of full these... of it's full of that kind of thing. So any of People, these kind you know, of towns doing doing the right thing 
vi- in public, you know, mm. being seen to do the right thing yeah. while, you know, basically being, as you say, being on the make. Eight dozen pairs of what? Eight dozen pairs of ladies' knickers. <laughs> ladies' knickers. Yeah. Ladies' knickers. <laughs> Here we are, fighting for our lives, our backs to the wall, rations cut to the bone, sleepless nights. The whole Nazi war machine poised just across the channel, and you have a parachute made into eight pairs of ladies' knickers. I do wish you'd stop using that word, sir. All right, bloomers! So I've already enumerated a bit of a theory there about whether Lissa Evans is a member of the Curiously Specific Book Club or not, in terms of her specificity. Yeah. So we want to talk about Lissa Evans a We bit. should a bit, yeah. She's... A- Enormously accomplished human being. <laughs> Annoyingly accomplished quite, in my book. It's quite, it's ex- exhausting, really. Yes. So she wasn't a novelist to start with, she was no. a doctor. She qualified as a doctor, first of all. Uh, and then she decided that, she said, she says she was, she got really scared about being a doctor. She just found it quite scary. Right. Um, so she decided to do stand-up instead. Yeah, yeah why, <laughs> I don't, not? I don't, why not? And then she just said, oh, I applied to the BBC to be a radio producer, and then I yeah. became a radio producer. Yeah. It's that easy. And she's got her name is against some really big titles of the noughties. Father Ted, she was a producer on. Room 101, she produced and directed the Kumars at number 42. Yeah, I think she's got BAFTAs for that. Yeah. yeah. Crossing the Floor. Which, uh, Crossing the Floor is a political comedy. Yeah, she, um, won a, she won an Emmy for that. I know. And she directed quite a lot of episodes of I Got News For You. Amazing, right? I did wonder how many of those episodes featured Boris Johnson back in the day. Well, she's very active on Twitter, Lloyd. Yes. Uh, she's so not she'll Boris be able Johnson to tell fan. you. She's not a she'll Boris be, Johnson she'll fan. She'll be able to tell you about that, I'm sure. Yeah. So <laughs> she's written six novels for adults. Yeah. She's also written quite a lot of books for children, which are actually very well regarded by people in the know. Oh, right. Who are they then? Your wife? My wife. Yeah. A small change for Stuart, big change for Stuart, and the marvellously titled Wed Wabbit. Ah. Which, you know, I don't I You're that's, sold. That's all I need. You're sold. That's all I need. Okay, well done. So, she only started writing novels in her late 30s. I know. Again, she's one of these talented people who just said, oh, well, I've had enough of winning BAFTAs and Emmys yeah. as a TV person. What I really want to do is write books, and then yeah. immediately started writing great books. I know. Honestly, I maybe want to have a lie down reading her biography. I was a bit intimidated, I must yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you see her interviews on YouTube and listen to her, she's not intimidating at all. She's, she's, she does a lot of interviews. I have uh, met her. Have you? Yeah. Uh, she won't remember, but uh, I sat next to her at lunch. Most of, people would remember you sitting next to you at lunch, Literally lunch, yeah. I don't know how drunk I got. <laughs> and she is absolutely charming. She's really, really just a nice person. What she did say about Crooked Heart in these interviews I've been listening to, one is she said it's her third novel, and it clearly didn't come that easy. She said that she actually wrote two children's books in in between starting it and ending it. Oh, really? I think she said her first novel came Five quite... years between their finest hour and a half and Crooked Heart. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And I think and, she... Yeah. she Stuart's novels, small change yeah, for Stuart. I think she took a while to find the characters and uh, really get into it. Well, it was it. worth looking for them because they're, they're very alive. Yeah, well, that's the one so. thing. Then she says, she does say in the interview that that's how she writes is... I usually have an idea of the main characters and the broad arc of the story, but as I get to know the protagonists, they often pull the plot into unexpected directions. Minor characters become major, and new ideas spring out of the connections that arise. What I aim for more than anything else is to avoid the reader thinking that wouldn't happen. 
<laughs> I want every step. <laughs> Tim's faces. Oh dear. <laughs> I want every step of the way to be believable, okay. for the plot to spring from the characters and not the other way round. Well, I think that's fair enough. I think we have a couple of practical danger. Practical danger, Will Robinson. Questions. Danger. Can I read? She did. She did a lovely piece in the Guardian about moving from Surrey to the West Midlands when she was nine, okay. which I think is very Noel Bostop. She until she was nine, she lived in Surrey. Big garden, obviously quite a middle class upbringing. Then we moved to the West Midlands, she said. And she said, I love this paragraph. I don't know exactly how I introduced myself on my first day at Chad's Mead Junior School in Litchfield, but I'm guessing I used several of the following phrases. Hello, my name's Felicity. That's, that's her real name. Uh, my father's a scientist. My favourite television programme is Tales from Europe, especially the Polish one set in medieval Krakow. Last year I had a letter published in Melody Maker. <laughs> Have you ever read The Uncle Books by J.P. Martin? Bear in mind that all this was spoken in an accent not dissimilar to that of Celia Johnson, <laughs> while everybody Hello. else in the school rhymed the word you with cow. <laughs> ah. And you'll see that my subsequent lack of popularity is easily explained. Oh. It's very Noel Bostock, that, isn't it? Yeah, it is very Noel Bostock. Yeah. She does say that her family were readers, that, that, that yeah. she She's found it unusual when you went to somewhere else where they weren't reading at the meal table. Everybody read books at the meal oh, table. Oh, really? They're that, re- yeah. That is... That's and, great. And I sense she is a voracious reader because when asked about what she's read about World War II novels, she just lists them all, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. she's, re- she's read them all. Anything you think you know, she's read, yeah. I suspect. She just obviously just reads and reads and reads. Yeah. So that's good because obviously that will help when you're trying to be curiously specific that you've read a lot of books around the subject. Yeah. But I'm going to contend that making things believable isn't the same thing as being curiously specific. <laughs> so we're about to go to the St Albans well, Cathedral. case in point, coming out. <laughs> there we are. It's all very believable that <laughs> Noel is sitting on a bench by a war memorial until you look for the war memorial. By the time V finished at Mrs Pilcher's, just one more little job, Mrs Sedge, it won't take a moment. It was twenty past one. She found Noel waiting exactly where she'd asked him to wait, on a bench at the south side of the abbey, beside the memorial to the Great War. He didn't move or speak as she approached, only watched her with that flat judgmental gaze. Thou God seest me, she thought. It had been the text on the wall in the outside lav when she was a girl. (laughs) And it always made her think of carbolic and drains. It's good, huh? <laughs> it's very good. Very funny. Well, we've just spent quite a long time looking for a war memorial on the south side of the cathedral. And I have to say, we have failed to find a war memorial on the south side. There's a, there's a, I, I looked up the war memorials in St Albans and there's, a, there's an archaeological society list of them. There isn't one listed on the south side apart from the west window, yes, which we're outside, is itself a memorial to the Great War. Oh. It was put in in 1925, as okay. a more people who died in those. So, uh, I'm saying that's what we're, that that's that's as good as we're going to get. My hunch is that they got rid of the war memorial in favour of the lovely new cafe that they built on the side, where I had a very nice gluten-free sponge. Yes, and I had a uh, black cherry and almond tart. There we are. That's the kind of information that listeners need to know. And uh, it would be on the south side of the church. 
It would. There might be. But we have been inside the Abbey, or the Cathedral, as it is now officially. It's, it's rather wonderful, isn't it? It's astonishing. The longest nave in England. Yes. Uh, it's really ancient. It's got some fantastic sort of murals as well, hasn't it? Of ancient. Yeah. They date back to 1215, it said. The, yeah. the drawings of the paintings on the wall that are made with vegetable inks. So they've faded. Well, that wasn't the most memorable thing I saw in there. Oh, really? The most memorable thing I saw in there was you yeah. channeling Noel Bostock, <laughs> lighting a candle yeah. and declaiming, I thought quite loudly... But it said you had to do it loudly. Vengeance is mine. It's not really Christian, is it? It's Old Testament. Vengeance is mine. It's Old Testament. It's still part of the Bible. It's absolutely beautiful here. We're sitting in the grounds of the cathedral. On the south side, there is a bit, quite a big park yep. with an ice cream van, I notice. And actually, by the church, there's a bit sealed off by railings with benches on it. Yep. Now, if there was a war memorial in there, yep. that would be my bet for where Noel is sitting. Yeah. Is up against the church on that side. It might listener. be just the, 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 the war memorial. I mean, there's a very big war memorial That's in the middle of St Albans. It might be that they just... Yeah. Took it well, out. We're, we're, we're at a bench by the cathedral, yeah. so it, it's not bad. Again, it's, not bad for it's interesting this. It's sort of, we're getting to the point where it's, it's not bad, but it's not spot on. No. I think she is playing some games here. Yep. Oh, look, and there's a, some school children. But maybe the evacuees, evacuees are here. The evacuees are right. I said they were budding, curiously specific book club well, members. Because they've all got high-vis jackets. High-vis and, and notepads, and they're following maps. Yeah. That's exactly what we need. Yes, curiously specific. To um, train them up. The youth wing of the curiously specific book club. We've looked at a few churches on the way here, haven't we? Because um, there's mention of a... There's a couple of churches mentioned in the book. One is the Methodist church that the v. v goes to. Mm-hmm. There's a big Methodist church in St Albans. Huge! Because she talks about going to Bethesda. That's what they call it. One of the other places we walked past was um, the Spicer Street uh, church, the Evangelicals. Now, this interests me, actually that that church, during the Second World War, it was at a rather low ebb, it says here, and during the Second World War, boys of Hastings Grammar School were evacuated to St Albans and occupied part of the Spicer Street Chapel premises. So there were grammar school boys from Hastings up here. Evacuees? Yeah. One other thing to say about around here, which I think is, is, is more there than thereabouts, yeah. so he goes to he ends up going to school here. They start, they start going to school in the chapel, but they end up going to the... St Mark's Church of England Primary School. So the evacuees go in the afternoons. Oh, that's the, right. The school kids go in the, the St Albans kids go in the mornings. Now it's described as being um, down the hill from the cathedral. Oh, so they, they talk about crossing the road and walking up the hill for, to the cathedral with the teacher. Yes. So there isn't a St Mark's School in St Albans, but there is a St Michael's. And where's that? That's down the hill from the cathedral. Oh. So I think that's quite good. It's worth saying that one thing's coming here, I've realised, I didn't realise before I came here, St Albans is at the top of a hill. Yes. And it's downhill in all directions from, from here. It's downhill all the way. The station's, the station's downhill. Hollywell Hill, obviously, goes downhill. It goes downhill towards... Bricketts Wood. Um, Bricketts Wood's down that way. Downhill. Yeah. So it's all, all, all hills. There's hills everywhere. <laughs> hills and churches. I hope you don't mind me asking, but shouldn't you be at home? Oh, yes, I should. I haven't quite worked out how to find one. Well, where are your parents? Oh, they died when I was small. Here we go. All I have left is my aunt. And where's she? Darkest Peru, in the home for retired bears. <laughs> yeah, of course she is. How did you get here? I stowed away in a lifeboat. Cool. And ate marmalade. Did you know bears like marmalade? I didn't even know bears could talk. 
So this book came out in 2014. Yes. I don't know about you, but while looking up what, going back about 2014, so that's not that long ago. No. But what it did remind me was that a lot of the things that are happening today seem to have been seeded in 2014. Yeah. I feel. Politically, absolutely. A lot of UKIP. We had the Scottish independence referendum, yeah. which was a, a very firm no, actually, looking at the, the, the numbers again. It's good to go back and look at that. And, and then we've got Douglas Carswell and Mark Reckless. Those are names I hadn't thought of for a while, both yeah. of them who defected from the Tory party to UKIP and Did then won by-elections. Yeah, I wonder what they're doing now. UKIP <laughs> broke, broke through that year. It is local elections they did very well, and they were head of both main parties at the Euro elections. That's what panicked David Cameron into yeah. his stupid decisions. Well, that's why he promised a referendum in the 2015 election, right? Of course, David Moyes was sat by Manchester United in 2014. Ah, the beginning of the end of the beginning. The beginning of the end of the beginning. <laughs> I don't know how that goes for you. Yeah. My favourite story of the year, I think, was the one about the former Co-op Bank chairman, Paul Flowers, ah. convicted of possessing cocaine, methamphetamine. He'd already been sacked by <laughs> He'd then, though, hadn't sacked. he? Yeah. Um, well, talking of criminals, of, of people being sick, and talking of uh, children, like yeah. Noel in the book, yeah. this is the year of paedophilia, mate. The Rotherham report yeah. comes Rolf out Harris about the terrible. Rolf Harris goes into the entertainment wing yeah. of, of the prison. So does Max Clifford. He's in the entertainment wing. Max Clifford's wing. Uh, yeah, in prison this year. Yeah. And not a paedophile, but also in prison, Andy Coulson. Andy Coulson found guilty of phone tapping. So the phone tapping phones. thing uh, starts kicking off as well. The weir- and there's a weird pre-shadow of the Ukraine, right? The situation in the Ukraine. Yes. Prince Charles compared Putin to uh, Hitler. Over yes. the Ukraine, because that was the year they went into Crimea, right, 2014? Yes, that's right. It was also the year that Malaysian Air Flight, Airlines Flight 17 was brought down over eastern Ukraine. Oh, 2014. yeah. So, so there all, you are, another it's it's a foreshadowing happening. of what's happening now. Yeah, but the, I think we've missed the biggest <laughs> news of 2014. Oh, come on, then. Uh, I fell into your pond in 2014. You did. <laughs> My 50th birthday your 50th party. 50th birthday party. The party ain't over yeah. till the fat man falls in the pond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Six o'clock in the morning. Perfect. It had been a long night. I was feeling tired and emotional. My son still... I, I didn't actually fall into your pond. I lay, you lay stepped, down. You just stepped back and went straight down. <laughs> and then you're, it was lovely to down. see your panicked little face looking up through the water, through the duckweed, going, where am I? How did I get here? Why am I looking up at you through water? How stoned am I? <laughs> um, yeah. That was a big moment. That was a big moment. So Musically... Yeah. Where are we going with that? The thing I found most interesting about the music this year, the top 10 albums mm. in 2014, I know is by that time we weren't really doing albums, but no. the top 20, 10 albums in Britain were all British. Ah. Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith, George Ezra, Paolo Nottini, Coldplay. You know. Yeah. What, I mean, what a start, right? Okay. Paloma Faith, One Direction, Olly Moors, Pink Floyd. Hooray! Uh, the Endless River, <laughs> appropriately titled. <laughs> uh, and Take That. Top 10 albums of the year. Take That had a bad year, though, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, that's the year that Gary Barlow got done for tax avoidance. Oh, is it? And Jason Orange left the group. Um, so they were having a bad year. Yeah, it was a bad year. Yeah. Biggest selling single of the year was Happy by yes. Pharrell Williams, which I find brutally ironic now looking back <laughs> on what the year was on. Yeah, the year wasn't that happy, was it? Yeah. To continue the theme about children, in film, we have Boyhood. Yeah, oh, great film. Whiplash. So and Gra- eight years old. Yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel, Ugh. which I would say is a, as much about the bellboy as anybody. Not a fan, about, sorry. 
Oh, I, oh, you don't like his films? No. Okay. But they're all films about boys in slightly abusive situations, yeah, are, yeah, yeah, I'd say, yeah. or difficult situations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the, obviously the final one in, in, uh, of that year that's about a, a young boy in a very difficult and possibly abusive situation, Paddington. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the young boy? The, the son. Well, he's a male, isn't he? I thought you meant the son. The young bear, then. The bear. He's in, he, he, he's an evacuee. He is a from Peru. He's a vacuum from Peru. And he turns up with a family that's slightly weird and abusive, I'd say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and all they feed him is stupid marmalade sandwiches. Yeah. And they make him wear a duffel coat in summer. Yeah. It's horrible. Don't they make him steal things as well? Generally, it's not good. It's, uh, okay. and, he, and he's constantly talking about his aunt in Peru. Yeah. The equivalent of his godmother in Hampstead. Yes. So I think there's a lot of Paddington... A lot of Paddington in this. In this, yeah. Noel as Paddington. Discuss. It's a, it's a theory. You're listening to the Curiosity Specific Book Club. If you want to listen to this podcast without any ads and get all episodes as soon as they're available, you need to check out our Patreon page. Yes, just go to Patreon and search for Curiously Specific, and there you will find us. And for two of your English pounds, you will not only get access to the podcast and early access... You will also get our show notes, which are all the links and photos and videos that we have looked at in order to generate this podcast. And there's always quite a lot of stuff. Tons of stuff. So this podcast will always be available free and in the clear on uh, your favourite podcast platform of choice, but it will have ads on it, and you'll have to wait a week for the second part of every episode. But you can get the second part of this episode right now on patreon.com it's there already it's just sitting there waiting for you yeah and if you give us some extra money you can join our discord server and the community and have a chat about these books with us and other people there are conversations going on right now yeah meanwhile back to the podcast life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. At the pictures, Donald had once seen a trailer about a man from Venus with an invisible death ray. When it was turned on, people half a mile away would start fainting and clutching at their throats. He was reminded of it by the steady accumulation of bodily symptoms as he walked towards Brickett Wood. A tightening of his chest by the time he reached the common, contraction of the stomach before he could even see the red gables of the beaches, and a strange bleaching of his entire vision occasioned by the sight of the front gate. He had to stand for a minute, taking deep breaths, before he felt able to continue up the path. OK. So, so we're looking for a red-gabled house in Brickett's Wood. Brickett Wood. Brickett Wood, not Brickett's Wood. Donald walks from his flat in town. Yeah. Out to uh, out to Brickett Wood. Yeah. Now there is a Brickett Wood and a Brickett Common south of St Albans. There is, and we are at the St Albans Abbey Rail Station. Yeah. Because if you were going to go to Brickett Wood, you wouldn't walk it. It's quite You'd a long take way. The train. You can get the train from. Uh, it takes seven minutes on the train. It takes you about an hour. Yeah, it takes a long time uh, to, to walk. Get to Brickett. It's quite a way. It's probably three miles. In the book, Brickett Wood is spelled B R I C K E double T Wood. Yeah. In, well, it's certainly in modern maps, it's only got one T. Yeah. So what's going on there? Well, you think that's a get out With my cynical flat hat on. Yeah, got, you are wear. wearing your cynical flat hat today. I'd say that's just a writer's let out, isn't it? We've been talking about that a bit. That, I keep saying, oh, there's a bit of a let out here for the writer. Yeah. The vagueness. Yeah. Is you could say, when I say, oh, you've got your brick at wood in the wrong place, yeah. she'll say, well, I didn't say brick at wood, did I? Yeah. So I think it's funny to make him walk all that way when he's a lazy boy he's very lazy isn't he very very lazy it feels like too far it's downhill I'm not sure the trains would be running in World War 2 yeah I need to check that don't I you're the train guy I am the train guy now having a bunch of uh, women living in Brickett Wood and working going off to a factory to work every day that's what they're there for right they're bussed out they're going on a bus to work they're bussed out to work so where are they going well, I assumed they were going to St Albans, but you're about to tell me that's wrong. What I did discover was that if you're going that far away from St Albans in that direction, the next mm. big place you end up at is Radlett. In fact, it's the next station on the Thameslink line, isn't and it? Radlett's cl- actually closer to Brickett Common than St Albans is. That's right. And at Radlett Aerodrome, that was the out-of-London headquarters of the company that made Halifax bombers really? in the war. Mm. And I have found online photographs of women working at the Radlett Aerodrome factory. So you think uh, Birgit and Hilda are working at the Halifax, at, uh, Bomber, the Halifax Bomber factory at Radlett. Radlett Aerodrome? Very good. Which is now owned, by the way, by Eon Productions. The oh, the Bond, Bond movies. the Bond movies. They own the Aerodrome. We keep coming up with them, don't we? So if only Brickett Common was a bit closer to St Albans. Well, now, here's a thing. If you walk there from here from you St don't Albans. take the train there are a number of uh, places you walk through on the way there I think it'd be very hard not to walk past or through Spielplatz well okay as the, in the playground playground in German in, in German right heard of this no well you and the listener will be quite uh, surprised I okay. think <laughs> You're, set you're beginning to sound chillingly German now. You will be quite surprised. Zwei Lager Beers, bitte. Set in 12 acres, this secluded woodland paradise 
has everything a naturist might wish for no. as a place for rest and relaxation, including extensive lawns and shady corners. No, really? <laughs> Set up originally by naturists in the 1920s, 1930s. No way. Yes, and nowadays operated exclusively for naturists by naturists. Spielplatz is a modern facility combined with the quaint old charm of a true British naturist's home from home. Can I ask why it's called a German name, then? Well, I think that originally the ideas of naturism emanated from Germany, from northern Germany, and then were adopted by British people who were looking for a place to start a naturist colony, and that's what it was. In the 1920s, there was a naturist colony down there. Are you telling me... I'm stunned. Are you telling me that Douglas doesn't, when he's walking down there, he doesn't mention, oh, and I I just walked through the naturist colony. There's pictures on spielplatz.co.uk, the place for you. I don't want to see any pictures, thank you very much. (laughs) Do you know what what, what happened to it during the war? It can't stay open during the war. Yes, it did stay open during the war, and I'll tell you why as well. Basically, one of the people who, who sort of rocked up there in the 30s and 40s, was a guy called Gerald Gardner. Gerald Gardner was the witch guy. Known by the craft Wiccan. name Skier, was an English Wiccan. He set, him, he set himself archaeologist. up. He's a terrible fraud. I know this because I've been doing a little bit of research into him. He's brilliant. He's he, a very... I've got his autobiography at him. home. Have you? I didn't know you were going to bring him up. Well, because... So was he, he was a naturist here. as well? Yes, he was oh, very much course, into it. Of course he was. He founded a Wiccan group known as the Brickett Wood Coven. No. He, he introduced a string of high priestesses into the religion. Uh, I think I know we what know means. what that means. <laughs> Hello, I'd like to introduce you he into the religion in as a high priestess. Okay, I'm genuinely stunned and surprised There now. you go. That's very good. So Lisa Evans has put two Austrians yes. in a hostel yes. the other side of a nature's of, reserve called Spielplatz. Yes. That was also the location of a coven. Yes. This has got to be deliberate. It's too good not to be deliberate. Uh, That is brilliant. That's made my day. I'm going home now. You're the one with the cap on, but I have to doff my cap to you. That's uh, that's very, very good. You wouldn't walk there. You'd go on the the train, train, and you'd look out the windows as it went past the nature's colony. (laughs) When the whistle blew at St Pancras, he watched the guard slide backwards. The train moved from under the blacked-out roof and sunshine slapped him in the face. He wrote, I am sitting next to Harvey Maidley. His backside is so enormous that he is wearing his father's trousers cut down into shorts. Here we all are, said Mr Waring, entering the compartment. The Rill Street fifth column and young Noel with his pencil and paper. A child among ye taking notes. Where are we going, sir? asked someone. All very hush-hush, said Mr Waring. I have not been party to the plans. Is it Wales? <laughs> Let us hope not. <laughs> it's very rude about Wales. <laughs> <laughs> so Noel is uh, eventually evacuated to St Albans. Yes. A bad thing happens to Matty, his godmother. Yes. Worth saying that he's not evacuated in the first wave. Ah, good point. The first wave of evacuees happened immediately on declaration of war. The biggest mass movement of people in British history, apparently. It says here on this Imperial War Museum site that I've found, 
Evacuation took place in several waves. Yes. And then it says the first major one came on the 1st of September 1939, the day Germany invaded Poland, yeah. and two days before the declaration of war. Over the course of three days, yeah. one and a half million yep. evacuees were sent to rural locations considered to be safe. Yeah. An extraordinary number. And then by the end of the Second World War, around four million people had left their homes to escape air raids. Philip Ziegler in London at War, which is a, a good book about the kind of the, the social history of the Blitz. And, yeah. You know, London. He says they never, the evacuation was strikingly well conceived and smoothly carried out. The day before the operation began, Automobile Association scouts raced around the suburbs, unveiling bulletin boards which announced that most of the principal routes in and out of town had been designated one way. Amazing. For the next few days, the majority used the railways, however. A threatened strike was called off. Amazing. There was going to be a rail strike. In recognition of the crisis, and London buses carry 230,000 evacuees to the main termini, some drivers going for 36 hours without sleep. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a huge undertaking. I think calling it Operation Pied Piper was not a good name. Not the uh, the, uh, thing. As a parent, I wouldn't be reassured by that name. But Noel doesn't go. So in the book, she says, the day after that, so that's September the 3rd, I think, mm. all the children disappeared as if London had shrugged and the small people had fallen off the edge. Noel, running an errand, was stared at in the street. The baker asked why he hadn't gone with the others. I think you'll find that evacuation is not compulsory, replied Noel loftily. It was what Matty had said to an interfering neighbour. He took a walk up the hill to his school and looked at the padlock and chain around the gates. So I think that's, that's quite good. But then the other thing that happened almost instantly yeah. is people started coming back. Yes. Huge numbers of people started coming back. They were very homesick. And, and again, I think she's good on this because she, he sees some kids on Primrose Hill, doesn't he? Yeah. Who've come back from somewhere. Yeah. And that became a real problem because the schools were still closed. Right. They had to reopen the schools. So by mid-October... So only six weeks later, 50,000 mothers and children were believed to have returned. A month later, the figure had more than doubled. In an effort to stem the flow, the authorities began to organise special trains with cheap fares on which mothers with children far away could visit them. But the scheme applied only to journeys costing more than one pound, which caused much indignation among those whose children had been sent to Kent or Sussex, or St Albans, presumably. Oh, yeah, OK. There's a good BBC site about this. Interestingly enough... It's only in the last 20 years, maybe, that there seems to be a lot more material about how unhappy kids were yeah. uh, and what a terrible time they had or yeah. a, 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 and that people are speaking out about it. Yeah. That before be then, quite a lot of uh, nasty stuff, right? Yes, and be- before then that you weren't meant to talk about it. No. It says here that parents gave instructions to their children like, don't complain, grin and bear it, Look after your sister. (laughs) And also the the great logistical sort of thing that happened in the first three days then sort of fell apart. And there's lots of tales that just kids were just sort of sent off somewhere with a little suitcase and their name, a bit like Paddington, I'd have to say. A bit like Paddington. And their name on a label and turning turning up somewhere where... Initially, yes, there would be a local councillor or some official, but actually after a while, just a volunteer who wanted to look after kids that are unvetted. There's a good article in The Guardian called 
It's time to explode the myth that all children evacuated from the Blitz were well treated. This is in 2009. On Tuesday, the 70th 70th anniversary of the outbreak of the Second World War, there was a service in St Paul's Cathedral to remember the 3.5 million people, mainly children, who were evacuated to the safety of the countryside from their bomb-threatened cities. James Roffey, the founder of the Evacuees Reunion Association, which organised the St Paul's event, says the purpose of the service is to help people understand the truth about the trauma of evacuation. It's giving us, at long last, recognition, he said. We never received any certificates or medals. I don't think we expected them. But for years, the whole evacuation story has been surrounded by myths. If somebody said to any parent today, we're going to evacuate your children, we can't tell you where they're going, we can't tell you who they'll be living with, and we don't know when they'll be coming home again, how many people would say yes to that? Is it wrong for us to try to find the humour in... Uh, you know, stressful situations? Uh, No, (laughs) I don't think it is. And it's, I think for me, this is the way I write. And and, and that's another, perhaps a reason uh, why I didn't really start writing until later on. I was searching for the way I write. And the way I write is to find humour in everything. That doesn't mean peppering it with jokes. Um, There are great stretches of the book where funny things are not happening. But if there is a chance to show irony or to have some witting dialogue that is what I will always go for and it fits very well with a time in which people did find the the human situations because otherwise you simply couldn't go on. It wasn't a nice flat nor even a convenient one. A quarter of a mile from the nearest shop, drafty, dusty, overlooking the scrapyard, subject to deafening clangs all day and the rustle of mice all night. It wasn't really a flat at all, for that matter. Just a long, thin space above the workshop, roughly partitioned, one room opening out of another, the kitchen so-called only, because it happened to have a sink in it. Even the staircase that led to ground level was a botched afterthought, each stair of a different height, so that every descent was a series of jolts and surprises. The advantage... The sole advantage, apart from the view of the lane, was that it came rent-free. So this is the uh, flat that V and her mother and Donald are living in. When Noel first when turns Noel up, Noel right? first turns up. You, you found, a, a found a candidate for it, so I'm rather surprised to be sitting inside a ruined nunnery. Yes, the <laughs> Sopwell Nunnery. Sopwell House, Sopwell Nunnery. Yes, built so, around 1140... It says here on Wikipedia, by the Benedictine abbot abbot of St Albans Abbey, Geoffrey de Gorham. Now, following the dissolution, it was taken over by a friend of King Henry VIII, obviously. Obviously. And he tore the plans down. Now, he did build a house here. Do you know what he called it? What? He called it Lee Hall, (laughs) which is not something you'd call a house these days, is it? No, (laughs) no. Unless you're Lee Hall. Unless you're Lee Hall. So it's actually the ruins of the house, not the nunnery. Well, I think that's why you can see a lot of brickwork, can't you? Yeah, yeah. That's, this isn't why I brought you here. No, it's, it's an optional, it's an it's a Easter egg. Now, the reason I wanted to bring you here is I've been looking on a looking site. the bells of the cathedral, can you? Yes, indeed. I've been looking on a very good site called sopwellmemories.org.uk. And there's loads of them here. There's loads of uh, memories here. But I particularly like Francis Gordon Nay Parsons' memory of living in one of the two cottages known as Sportsman's Hall. Sportsman Hall was situated on the corner of Cotton Mill Lane 
and Prospect Road. Actually, Sportsman's Hall, the house, the house name is still there. Mm-hmm. I just took a picture of it, and you'll get lots of photos from us if you follow us on Patreon. <laughs> Always be selling, Tim. Always be selling. Now, look, Francis was born in 1934 and was evacuated from the east end of London in 1941. OK. Like she it. was sent to a farm in Haynes, Bedford. So she would have been seven. Yes. And then she was reunited with her family in late 45. And at that time, her mother and brother and sister had moved and were living in one of the sportsman's hall's cottages. In St Albans. Yes. Her mother had to bring her up, her children, on her own after the war. Anyway, what she does say is the front bedroom looked out onto Pierce's scrapyard. Arthur Bailey was the foreman. Francis's elder's daughter later married his son. So that's quite good, isn't it? There's a scrapyard outside. Yeah, that's right. Now, if I start looking for Pierce's, which I did, we find that the Pierce family have a fine tradition of scrapyard. Of scrapping. Of scrapping. I look on stalbansreview.co.uk. Recycling firm revisits history. This is from 2005 by Mm -hmm. Aaron Bateman. We begin this week with a series of requests for information from Joanne Pierce of the firm Pierce Recycling. She contacted us earlier this year in a bid to bolster efforts to record the history of the family. I'm trying to find out if anyone has a copy of my family tree. What can people tell me about my uncle Edgar Pierce and my father Jim Pierce, who ran the scrap metal, textiles and waste paper business in St Albans? We had accounts offices above Harry Smith's wine bar in Verulam Road premises with a Weybridge in Albert Street going through to Pageant Road. Cotton Mill Lane near Sopwell Nunnery Ruins was for overspill from Albert Street. So the firm moved to Acrewood Way in 1963 and Pierce's recycling is still a going concern. So Cotton Mill Lane would not have been tarmacked, would it? Because the road they live on, she calls it Pollard Lane in the book. She calls it Pollard Lane. And it's not tarmacked, it's a dirt track. Well, Cotton Mill Lane's interesting because after the war, they built they extend if you look at the maps yeah. god bless the scottish library, library of scotland yeah basically the corner where we're sitting where the nunnery is that's where the town ends and there's just fields beyond that yeah and, and that's very much the vibe in the book right yeah and she can look both living, ways the down the track which is cotton mill lane you'd look both ways down it and then after the war cotton mill estate was built to the south but they had a big barney about whether they were going to run buses down to the estate because the road wasn't good enough right there's, there's one thing that slightly gives me pause. Everything about that is good. Yeah. The mother, V's mother, when she's yeah. writing her letters to uh, Churchill and, and all and sundry, oh, yeah. she talks about the flat being to the southwest of the town. Ah, uh, yes. Now, I would say where we are here is south of the town. Yeah. It's maybe even a little bit southeast of the town. It's southwest of the station, mm. but it's not southwest of the town. So... I like everything about it apart from that. Actually, I think that this is consistent with what's happening here. That it's close, but it's not quite right. Yeah. Close, but it's not yeah. quite right. No, it's, not, it's, it's, it's elusive, I would say. Elusive, that's nice. I like uh, that one. That's, uh, so that it, is that your new one? You're not doing liminal anymore. You're doing uh, elusive. Well, you said the L word, not me. So I'm... I'm pleased to have found a scrapyard. Yeah, you did well there. I think we had some, not disagreement, but some uncertainty about the fact that it's not to the southwest or everything. But actually, I think 
having walked back from the scrapyard to the to the main yes. station, St. that St. made more sense, right? Station, it makes a lot of sense. There's a bit um, in the book as well where she says about it's all uphill to go to the shops, and, it and it's a quarter of a mile. It is, and it was basically worth it is all to the old London we were road. Puffing away a bit by the time we got up to the uh, oh. that old cafe that was selling me rather ordinary sausage rolls. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I think we did nearly 20,000 steps that day. We did a lot of walking. Um, because in the second part of the podcast, we're heading back to London. We're going down the Thameslink. Down the Thameslink to Kentish Town. To Kentish Town. You can find us uh, hanging out in Dartmouth Park, in Gospel Oak, and eventually Hampstead Heath. Yes, we're going to start at the Vale of Health. We're going to start at the Vale of Health, which is... So a, join a us place. for part two. You can get it immediately if you're a patron supporter. If you're not, you're going to have to wait a week to discover where Matty's house is. We found it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.